What's going on, guys? Mitch from RespectMergent.com, back with another episode of the North American Weed Tour Podcast, episode 76, getting towards the end of this 80-episode season for 2021. Today, I have a special guest, John Bond, the Director of Partnerships at Dutchie. How are you doing today, John? What's good, man? I'm doing great, brother. How you doing? How's your holiday lead-up week going? Oh, man, just winding down like I was telling you right before I just had my son's birthday. Sadly, he's one of those birthdays right before Christmas, so I'm like, you know, trying to figure out a kid that I'm not trying to get too many toys, splitting up, you know, it's getting, it's getting crazy, man. We got to clean this house. I heard that, man. That's cool, though, man. You know, his, he gets celebrated for like at least a couple weeks in a row every year, man. And honestly, today's day and age, man, celebration is a good thing. Uh, yeah, you're not, bro. You're not lying. There's a, a lot of, we had a lot of uh, difficult times this last year or something, man. So any, any reason to celebrate is definitely a positive. Straight up, man. And I know I said it earlier, man, but I saw y'all mobbing in the matching fits, dude. That was that went hard, dude, at the birthday party. The kid's going to look back at that. He's going to be in high school. He's going to be like, yeah, man, look how fly I was when I was like three years old. I love that. I know. But by the time he's, he's in high school, I'm going to be even older and crestier, though, man. So hey, man. I'll have to you hold and me- back and be like, I was half cool back in the day, man. Man, you and me both, brother. I feel like I'm like a seven-year-old trapped in a 33-year-old body, dude. So, <laughs> like, you know, I'm trying to get there, too, dude. Oh, man, I dig it. So I usually start these off with people's um, history background with the plant, the plant that we're talking about being cannabis. You can, if you want to be vulnerable and disclose your you know, personal experience with it or keep it a little more professional, your professional journey, it's on you, whatever you want to share. But I'd love to know kind of your history around cannabis. Totally, man. I mean, shit, I feel like my professional and personal journey are pretty closely linked. You know what I mean? Like, uh, just like everybody did, uh, I feel like I got into it when I was... Uh, much of my parents dismay, like 14, 15 years old. Right. And the relationship I developed with the plant beyond that for me was, was such a big thing. I mean, like I have, uh, you know, I ADHD poster child. Right. And so like, there's a lot of things that I felt like helped me kind of, uh, center myself a little bit. And cannabis has absolutely been one of those. And then as I've gotten older, as it's become more available, um, there's a lot of things like I was an athlete for my entire life, bro. So like, you know, I played college baseball, I played football and baseball my entire life all the way up through that is we talk about getting older, dude, I start creaking a little bit, like the knees are popping, you know, the back gets real sore all of a sudden, like, so trying to make it to the gym when I can. And as like a, uh, like a pain management, man, has been great. And then obviously the social aspect, I just gonna be straight up, man. I love smoking weed and I love the beauty of the cannabis plant and, um, and everything that comes from it, the culture that comes from it, the, the music, the, the people, everything, man. And so like, Um, that led me to, uh, you know, I got out of college, um, had like 500 bucks in a job offer. I took my first sales job. It's like 2010, right. Um, spent like seven years making big business, a lot of money. And that was fine. You know what I mean? Like it was a great career path. That was very well taken care of. I was kind of the golden boy and it was awesome. And then like, I got to be like, you know, mid twenties and I was like, you know, there's gotta be something else that, uh, than this in life, right. Just making big companies, more money all the time. And obviously, Cannabis being a passion, it was like 2015, I think at the time, um, you know, the West Coast cannabis market was was ramping. You know, you had Washington, you had Oregon that was recreational, you had California. And if I were to move to those states, I would be kind of behind the gun or like I call it like chasing the caboose of the train versus, you know, you move to a medical market like Nevada and you have an opportunity to lay the track. So I moved to Vegas in 2015 while I was still working on like HR technology uh, during that time, I raised some money with a partner of mine to get a grow off the ground. It went really well, man. We had a lot of success in like the early rec days in like 2017 in Las Vegas. And then we got hosed by the people we raised money through. So is what it is. Lesson mm-hmm. learned, man. You know, that won't happen twice. But 
um, that kind of gave me my first, like, uh, you know, this is I'm all in on cannabis. Right. And so like, um, I did some consulting there for like a month or two. I met the co-founders of Dutchie about a couple months after that and, and joined the company in 2018. And the rest has kind of been history, man. But you know, everything in my life in the last like five to six years professionally has been geared towards like normalizing the plant and mm. making it more readily available. Like I can't explain like how excited I am to be like in Kansas city and be able to go to a dispensary. that's like 10 minutes away and like be able to pick up products or like to like have my parents who were traditionally not super cannabis friendly, right. Like asking me to bring, uh, you know, them something home from the dispensary. And it's mm -hmm. like, Whoa, you know what I mean? Like that, that's an entirely different thing. And so, you know, there's so many different things, dude, that have become like an offshoot of this industry. And it's all, it's all rad, man. Like I'm here for all of it. And so really the, the passion behind the plant drives all of that. Yeah. Hell yeah. And I think, you know, I think that's what some mutual things that connect to, you know, you and I and, and a lot of other people in this community is that, you know, the, the love and passion around this plant and then sharing in this joy that, you know, the stigma, we still got a ways to go with it, but it's been broken to an extent where we're, you know, I, I know yourself, myself are much more comfortable, you know, being our true selves uh, in regards to the plant publicly. Um, and there's, there's a big beauty in that. And then, the, you know, I also share the same joy in helping break the stigma. And I also share a joy. Like I, I share a grat sense of gratitude to anyone else that is helping break the stigma. You know, it's like, like, and not to liken it, but like, you know, I thank military people for their service, but when people like truly help break the stigma, I almost am like, thank you for like you're helping change my life, like whether you know it or not. Thank you. Straight up. And and what people don't realize, too, is like stoner culture is OK. You know what I mean? Like breaking the stigma just means like, you know, getting people out of prison and normalizing the plant. Mm -hmm. Whereas like, you know, you got people that are craft alcohol connoisseurs. Right. I hate like everyone's always comparing alcohol and cannabis. Right. And there's like really not a ton of similarities there. There's a few that overlap for sure. But like, you know, if somebody really was into alcohol culture and they were like, you know, a, a craft, uh, a wine connoisseur, right. Or sommelier, right. You wouldn't call them a stud. That's not looked at negatively. That's like a very, right. like, that's a prestigious thing to be in the wine community. Whereas like, if you're like, you know, you got the ganjier cats that are doing some rad things in terms of like, you know, validating people's understanding of the plant. Right. That's not a stoner. That's somebody that's like taking cannabis education to an entirely different level. And, you know, and, and it's cool to like, enjoy the casual part of cannabis too right and so i think that in itself breaking the stigma is, is just as much like allowing mm -hmm. people to be who they want to be you know what i mean like that's and that's just in general dude and cannabis has got an opportunity to do that like unlike anything else absolutely yeah just normalizing it because that's you know anyone that's been around cannabis for a long time knows that you know every age race gender occupation none of that matters a lot of people love weed and a lot of people for a long time had to keep that love just super, super t secret and tight lipped. And as we break that stigma and normalize it, it just allows those people to, to give a little bit less of a fuck, you know? Straight up, dude. I tell people, like, if you want to see, like, how widely accepted the cannabis industry is by, like, different demographics of people, go sit in the dispensary lobby for an hour. Mm -hmm. And then watch the different types of people that walk in there. You got old people, young people, like people in suits, people that are wearing Wu-Tang t-shirts. Like me, man, it's like, it's the wide variety, right? And it's like, you know, that in itself is like the universal nature of, of what cannabis is, right? Mm -hmm. It's not, it's not just like out the trunk in the basement, you know, keeping it in the back corner. Like there's a lot of really cool shit happening. And it's Absolutely. like, you know, to be able to elevate that is, is pretty awesome. Absolutely. And, and, you know, one of the things that you guys are doing at, at Dutchie, right, like as a part of that is bringing, uh, you know, really elevating the tech. There's a couple people, but you guys are definitely one of one of the leaders in, in that in that category of tech of bringing this 
business comprehension and technical understanding to a, to an emerging market and helping normalize the consumer shopping experience through providing e-com to uh, industry is very difficult and a lot of red tape and regulation around e-com. But before we get into too much of that, I would love if you could just break it down for our, for our viewers, a little summary of kind of the origin uh, of Dutchie. Totally, man. I mean, uh, you know, uh, our co-founders, both independently successful um, in the technology space. Our CEO actually started one of the first uh, online food ordering companies when he was like 19, um, you know, built that to what it was, you know, moved to Canada um, to build the exact same type of business following that exit. Um, that became Grub Canada, which was like the largest uh, fir first and largest online food ordering company in Canada. And then, uh, you know, rode that way for about four years. And um, he was living in Bend, Oregon at the time when, Oregon legalized recreational cannabis in uh, 2015. And he went to the dispensary, um, who was actually became our very first Dutchie customer. It was a company called High Grade Organics. My really good friend Nick, who actually came to Dutchie from he like he sold High Grade Organics to be a part of Dutchie as in the oh, early wow. days. Um, yeah, he's an unbelievable dude. Uh, but uh, he uh, he was at the dispensary and there was a line wrapped around the building. And he was like, "There's an opportunity here." So. Dutchie started as primarily an online ordering, actually solely an on online ordering company in 2017. And um, we had a lot of success with that, prioritizing, you know, infrastructure support and taking care of our customers. I think we were talking about offline, but like doing what you say you're going to do when you say you're going to do it in the cannabis industry is like, like gold. You mm -hmm. know what I mean? And it's crazy that like, there's so many folks that are just not following up and doing the shit that they said they were going to. So fast forward that, you know, we grow over the next couple of years raise a couple of rounds of funding. The industry uh, continues to develop. The pandemic happens, which puts like an entirely different uh, importance on like technology in the cannabis space. And that decision led to us uh, acquiring two, or I'm sorry, that I guess event, I should say, led to us acquiring two point of sale companies in LeafLogics and GreenBits, which we've now folded into the Dutchie um, you know, family of companies. And so now we offer e-commerce POS and we're soon to roll out an ACH payment solution. So super stoked on that as well. Um, so really now it's like our entire business as we fortunately have been uh, a part of helping elevate this, right. Is really just making cannabis retail and cannabis business simpler. Right. I mean, trying to simplify those conversations between the brand and retailer, between the retailer mm -hmm. and their consumer, because as everyone knows, right. If you spent any amount of time in cannabis, um, there's about a million other problems to exist during the day than is my technology working the way it's supposed to. And so, you know, here we are today, almost, uh, we're probably going to cross the 600 employee mark before the end of the year over the next couple of days. I saw the list of new hires. So it's like the coolest thing in the world, man, that we got like some of the craziest rock stars I've ever been around that are now applying those talents in the cannabis space, as well as a ton of folks that mm -hmm. have spent time in the cannabis space that understand those pain points and can help connect those dots, man. So it's all just like, one big like let's make it there together because we all know like the types of big business that's coming to the space eventually you know what i mean absolutely and, and with your guys's valuation this year right like i mean you guys have received a couple value you know year year after year it's, it's grown so it's not like this is the first time but you, with that valuation and the news surrounding that do you feel like that's even helped break the stigma for other tech workers to take an eyeball and maybe shift it over towards cannabis yeah, I think it's uh, I think it's absolutely kind of redefined what's possible in terms of like uh, raising capital. Now, at the end of the day, like, um, you know, valuations and everything, you have to live up to those. Mm -hmm. Right. But ultimately, like, you know, we get really excited about like 
the opportunity to even have a shot to be in that conversation. Right. And it's like, I joke about it, but like this time last year, would have never thought we'd be having this conversation in this moment here. The same thing with the year before that. Right now I can imagine only if, if things are consistent that we'll be in the same position, you know, a year from now. And that's not even necessarily just Dutchie. That's just like the cannabis industry in general. Mm -hmm. Right. And so like that particular, like uh, floating opportunity of like what's possible continues to like move and, and shake and there's opportunities all within that. And so like, you know, as, as, as folks that have kind of uh, been some of the initial crew that's risen to the top of that, right. It's our job to shake those trees and get those new opportunities available for those unbelievably innovative companies and brands and producers and cultivators to get out there and, and make it happen. And that's like where we see all the value, right. Is just like the elevation of that. And so, yes, absolutely. I mean, don't be wrong. No new. I, I shouldn't say no new friends. We got plenty of new friends, but we also know there's a lot of people that want to be your friend now. All of a sudden, right? Yeah. Like, which is which is totally okay, man. We're with it. Like, we remember what it was like making those phone calls, trying to get on people's radar, trying to get the right partnerships together to be able to do it. And like, we got all the respect and love in the world, and, and want to be able to help that however we can, man. Yeah, no. That there's definitely a, a testament of that or a thing that when you know with success comes opportunity. Uh, but it also comes people see you as opportunity. Right. And, and, and there's can be a negative aspect of that, you know, in, in a lot of different regards. Um, you know, you mentioned COVID being a big proponent. I know that helped kind of shift cannabis, the e-commerce, just the digital space in general. Um, but I, and I remember talking to you, too, personally, like early on in COVID. And I can't remember you're like, bro, it's so crazy. We've grown like we're adding so many accounts. What what was that growth rate like in that first like? what like nice 60 90 days of kind of COVID once COVID kind of set in where it's like oh this is real lockdowns are happening you know man it was like it was like a zero to 100 like nobody would ever believe and like it, don't get me wrong like that year and really still even after that it's still been going up but like those first couple weeks of March man it was like you know world starting to shut down and really up until that point like cannabis companies were like yeah technology great you know we grow great weed we have great customer service and that's absolutely valid you know and it wasn't like it wasn't quite a need it was more of like um you know either a, we really think this is important or we don't think it's important at all and there was really no gray area and so like fortunately for for dutchy for the cannabis industry in general because i would argue that like you find any retailer that says they're not in a better place than they were mm. before when they when they solidify their technology stack, I don't think that's going to happen. And they truly took the time to do it, right? So like that gave us the opportunity to like allow that business case to be made for us. And then fortunately, we just put the rails in place to like support that growth. So like those first four months, bro, were like, you know, blinding speed, 16 hours a day, every half an hour, on the half an hour, we had people doing demos that were even on the sales team, right? Because it was like, you know, okay, I need online ordering now if I want to stay open. And, and like, how quickly can you get us launched? Mm -hmm. And like, that was great. We still had to be able to sustain that growth. We still had to support the customers that we had. Fortunately, we built out our support team in a way that was unbelievable. And that's a huge testament to the folks that have done that, um, as well as our Eng team, product CS, everything. So we were ready to answer the call, right? Where a lot of companies, you know, kind of prioritize, let's go spend a ton of money on marketing. Let's go spend a ton of money on this. And like, nobody really even knew who we were until like a year and a half ago, mm. I would say. It was the first time that I've actually like, I've spent a lot of time in a lot of states, cannabis friendly, um, walked into a place. They'd be like, oh, Dutchie. And I was like, damn, that's rad. You know what I mean? <laughs> and that's still kind of a newer thing to us, right? And so like, um, 
yeah, it just it just accelerated things and like another clip and we were ready to answer the call there. Whereas like, you know, if you weren't, it, it was a tough time. And that's, and that's unique to hear, right? But I guess sometimes I live in my own silo, like where I saw you guys, um, just the opportunity to lay out the clean layout. Some of our, you know, not some, a lot of our clients use you guys as, uh, you know, menu platform for their online ordering. And so from that standpoint, it was always like something I was a fan of. And, uh, you just looking at people, there was, you know, there's you guys and there's a couple other people out there. I thought that had good products positioned well, but you know, for me, I'm just thinking the future, always thinking the future and online and digital, that's definitely my realm. So it's interesting to hear like how you're like, oh, you know, we weren't really well known. And then this happened and it like put us in the forefront where I'm just like, man, I, I don't get how people were just blind, you know, to not know, to not know you guys a little bit more intimately just means that people are walking around like this. But like you said, there, there was a, there was a time period where it didn't, it didn't matter, right? Like cannabis was selling and, and we've all seen it as a market starts out, you know, the strategy of the weed sells itself like that, that's true mm -hmm. for, for a brief moment while there's limited supply, limited distribution outlets. It, that's very much true. The excitement of legal cannabis, limited supply, the weed will sell itself. But as a market matures, we see it, you know, competition heightens greatly. People start grabbing positions and getting aggressive. So that's another thing, I, a question that I have for you is like how the, it, and out, even outside of COVID, but as this market's matured, what are some of the things that you've seen kind of changed in the e-commerce uh, landscape of cannabis? You know, man, I, I think outside of the very glaring one of like, uh, you know, we think online ordering is important now, whereas maybe we didn't before. Um, you know, I, I think that the uh, the marketing around cannabis is getting more creative because there are so many limitations around cannabis marketing, especially in like, I mean, you know that better than anybody, right? And it's like, there's so many different, like people get Instagram shut down, everything like that. So like, I think that like um, being able to like tangibly track marketing efforts is something that we've been really excited about because you know, you tracking someone walking in a store and figuring out where they came from, from like a lead gen standpoint is a very tough thing right. to do. However, if they come to you digitally, you can very definitively see where that money spent from a marketing lens. Was it a text message campaign? Was it like an email blast? Was it like a QR code they scanned in a magazine ad that they jumped on and whatever? Like those are all trackable data points that are actually like arming retailers to like make more informed decisions about their business. And that in itself is like the crux of everything that makes any business successful yeah. is like, here's where we were at today. Here's how we get to here tomorrow. And like to give data driven decisions behind yeah. that is like a massive thing. And more importantly, to make them digestible. So like, you know, that's the other thing too, is like, you think about, you know, me personally, I always joke, I'm like the most non-technical person that works for a technology company <laughs> in the world because we have so many unbelievable, like uh, brilliant technical minds on our team. Right. But on a general level, right, um, the general population doesn't understand technology right. like that, right? And then especially in the cannabis space where you might have legacy operators that are just now like literally doing this above board for the first time, right? How can we help those businesses be successful, right? Because, I mean, dude, we're at Emerald Cup two weeks ago. So the best weed in the country is coming out of Humble, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? And it's like, how can we elevate those legacy operators and the small farmers there that have literally some of the best product and are just unbelievable people and help elevate them to where they can compete with, you know, the companies that are very well funded, that have massive market share. And then furthermore, like these massive companies that are coming to the space inevitably, you know what I mean? And that's like, that's the most, that's the most rewarding thing in the world, man. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, it's like, that's like, we're helping like the people that are the best at their craft be more successful.
You know what I mean? And that's, and that's everything. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. I think, and that's a, you know, that's a thing I think a lot of legacy people or people have been around, you know, take, take joy and, and a pride in is making sure that that legacy, that culture is still established as we move towards, you know, some people call it the conglomeration, corporatization, whatever. It's the inevitable maturation of any industry or business as we head down that journey of maturity it's definitely important that we make sure, you know, those of us that know and are, are able to indicate how important it is to, to help pull, bring, push, or place some of those legacy and LG people alongside us, man. Straight up, man. Cause I'll tell you, like, and not saying it another way, like money and success ruins everything almost always, right? It brings a different crew, different attention, which is all right, man. Like that's the inevitable, like spoils of the success, right? These people wouldn't even be interested in the cannabis industry if, it weren't for mm -hmm. the groups that have been putting the time in the blood, sweat and tears, man. It is absolutely no cakewalk to operate a cannabis retailer or cannabis business for that matter. Right. So it's like, you know, in a way it's almost gratifying, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And for those to know that you have that staple on it at the same time, you know what I mean? But also like there's that other part to consider too. And so, you know, this might not directly be your wheelhouse, but I'm curious of some of the greatest obstacles of running an e-commerce business that touches so many states, you know, different regulations per state, so many brands. I, you know, off the top of my head is like, I'm, I have no idea how you guys keep up to date with all the product SKUs because a new strain is, and product is designed, you know, probably every couple hours. But what, what are some of those challenges of having some something that's so much scale? There's a lot of variables a part of it. Totally. Um, so, I mean, there's a lot of them. You mentioned one of them, uh, and I'll even go a little deeper than the the brand and content information because that is a very big one. But I think if you go further down there, it's uh, it's the ability to be consistent across state lines with uh, you know products, brands, uh, you know customer data that you're trying to like make educated decisions from a marketing lens of like customer profiles. For example, you're a large MSO; it's got dispensaries in five states, right? Connecting that. Um, customer profile across those states if there's somebody that travels and goes to the dispensaries is something that's traditionally been a challenge it's not you know we found ways to solve that right and that's a big piece of it but i would say you know the idea that every single individual market is regulated and taxed differently yet every single person expects a you like an extremely similar mm -hmm. at least experience on the front end which are all things that we account for i think another part of that is like um, having to rely on things that are completely out of our control. I and mean, maybe they're not like regulation and, and legislation and stuff like that. Those are all like floating things that you can't impact, you know, but at the same time, like that's putting obstacles in place that ultimately we couldn't move if we wanted to. And we said, we need to change that today. It doesn't change. Right. I think the, the biggest one that almost everyone runs into, unfortunately we prioritize higher than everything is that, scale mm -hmm. right like everything is easy with 10 dispensaries right how does that look with 100 dispensaries how does it look with a thousand dispensaries how does it look with five thousand dispensaries and so like having to like it, we, we are we are our, our boss is our customers right like we we answer to our customers exclusively and ultimately they answer the consumer right so we're in this position of we're like you know you talk about like you know, being a dad, like, is this the toy you want? No. Okay. Is this toy you want? No. Okay. Is this, and so like, you know, when you think about like um, the decisions you have to make and retailers being as demanding as they are, cause they should be right. Like this is your business. You should run this the way you want to, um, you know, saying no to certain things that 
would have made it more difficult to scale later mm. is one of the best things that we ever did because we saw a lot of people that took that low-hanging fruit and said, yeah, we'll crank out this crazy hacky feature on our technology platform. Yeah, we will do what you need and build an integration with this company that's going to take us three weeks of engineering resources off of this project that's actually impacting our entire customer base. And like losing that deal was tough. But those people are all our customers now because ultimately when you think about like tangled wires behind the TV, it's like you clip a wire and like the light turns off in the living room. Like you don't know what's going on. Right. <laughs> and like if you're layering something on top of each other with no discernible way back or like way to fix things because everything changes, then you're in a really tough spot. And like so many people miss that mark. Right. Whereas like building anything for scale is like. What does this look like at 10 times the volume of what it is today? Is this still like an applicable solution? And how do you work backwards from that? And I would say like, that was something that was, I wouldn't call it abstract, but it was a newer thing to me in terms of like being a part of like startups, my, you know, last five, six, seven years, you do what you got to yeah. do to get the, get to, to pay the bills and pay the team. Right. And fortunately we prioritize raising capital so we can keep the best people on the team but also make the best decisions for the business and it's panned out very well. So. Yeah. Totally. That's another thing that another, I recall that from one of our conversations probably years, years prior where I was just, you know, it was just, we were talking to, I think about a, interviewing you for an article or something. And then one of the questions I don't even think is in relation to the article, I was just like, what's next? What are you guys working on? And I, re I remember very distinctively, I don't remember how you said it, but you were like, man, we're just really focused on being the best at where we're at. And like, as we grow, we'll add in, we'll partner with other people, but we're not trying, you, you said, we're, our goal is not to do, be wide. You know, we're trying to be very focused and really well. And as we build a foundation, we can add from it. And it's, you know, testament to what you're saying now here, two years later, you guys' success and that being a big proponent of it. So it's, it's great to see that working out because it is very, very strange. And like you said, in startup land where you're lean, limited funding, limited budget, it's hard not to chase, hey, we could get a margin over here. Hey, we could get another value add here. But it comes down to, you know, like everything in life, balance. Like, do what, how, we only have so many resources. Do we spread it too thin and just, you know, take, take as many swings at the plate as we can? Or do we just sit here and wait for our pitch, you know? You know, dude, being fanatical about those resources has been like the most important thing. And, and I, I can thank our co-founders and the rest of our team, um, our CTO, I mean, really everybody that was there in the early days that instilled that in the team that's really helping instill that in the next generation of the team, right? Because like, especially as you grow, you bring on new folks into the org, you acquire companies, um, you're blending a lot of different cultures together. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like um, we always have been of the stance that like we want everyone to be their genuine authentic self at work and, and and bring those things that made you successful other places here but we use the phrase like strong opinions loosely held mm -hmm. internally right and if we disagree and move forward we're moving forward as a team right even if you weren't on board with that decision in the beginning like disagree and and commit right and so like those decisions and and thinking about like taking everyone's considerations into account like interdepartmentally right not just sales not just product not just eng that's how you make those scaling decisions in an accurate way. Cause dude, when you're making them as fast as we've had to make them the last couple of years, like, you know, lucky or good. I don't know. But like the, the game plan is what puts it forward. You know what I mean? Definitely. And so, you know, as you guys have grown through some of these acquisitions and offering some of these other products, you guys have done so with partnerships with various organizations, other, other technology totally. companies. What do you, what do you guys look for in some of these partnerships of, of what makes a right fit to be a value add to, to the Dutch ecosystem? 
Um, so to like go in reverse order, what I was just talking about, scalability is everything, right? Like we know that like, if there's like any guarantees in life, like death taxes, people are buying more legal weed tomorrow than they bought today forever. <laughs> right. So like, what does this look like, you know, a year from now when, you know, we help each other grow and you bring on a thousand more dispensaries as that part, right? What does your, what does the team look like? I think so much of it is like, what's important in the now in terms of like roadmap and what's important to our customers. Like, I can't tell you like how many awesome companies that I get to meet with on a weekly basis that I'm like, damn, I can't wait till we get to work with you. Mm. Right. But in the, in the moment, you know, 600 employees, every single resource is still spoken for. And like, there's like 40 more people fighting for airtime on that same roadmap with all these different initiatives. And it's like, so much of that is driven by like, what impacts our customer base, yeah. right? Like how, like, how does this impact the most general? And like, we like the onesie twosie stuff, like there's ways to like, we've been very good about like, if, if there's a problem and you're, and, you're, and you're wanting to go outside the box on the solution, let's start with the like solution and work backwards from that within like the current framework. Because ultimately, if we said yes to every customer request that we got, right? As much as we would love to and be a dev shop that just cranked out those types of things, we would never get anything done, mm -hmm. right? Because like the industry is so fast moving and it's growing at such a clip that like those requests are coming up every day, right? So like, you know, scalability of the partner is number one. Like what's their current footprint and how would it impact our current customer base? And then like, what's the growth opportunity there, right? Um, there's a lot of like, without being specific, like some, you're either in this game for the long haul or you're in it for like the quick buck mm -hmm. and the quick payout, right? And it gets really definitive and you can tell who's in it for what, right? Us, we're here for the long haul, man. I hope to be doing this for the rest of my life until, you know, they kick me out, right? <laughs> but like at the end of the day, like, I mean, like there's just, there's there's so many things, man. And, 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 and all of that like funnels back to that same central point of like, you know, those North Star metrics that make us successful, we have to drill everything back because ultimately we've got over 5,000 retailers depending on us to show up tomorrow. You know what I mean? And we, and we can't let those folks down and, and we have to continue to innovate and we have to continue to be more stable than we were yesterday. And we have to do all of these things that, um, you know, you can't do if you're making ad hoc decisions without a ton of data and, and, uh, and I guess like intelligence behind it. And what's, what's some of the ways that you guys collect this intelligence feedback from consumers and kind of prioritize what's the next thing to, you know, improve upon or the next thing to add to the system? I mean, it's going to sound crazy. Talking and listening to our customers. <laughs> it's like, it's a wild thing, man. Like literally, like you know, people ask us like why we moved into the POS is like, if you're e-commerce, it's like, you know, you think MarTech, ad tech's the obvious next step, but in listening to our customers, a lot of the problems were downstream. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And so when you think about like, if you're a retail business and 80% of your problems come from integrations or that central tech stack, everything else that happens after that doesn't matter because you can't rely on the consistency mm. of it. And so like being able to like understand that and like, you know, the, the, the feedback and, and the quantity of that feedback that we got from our customers, it was the only logical decision. And like, obviously, yeah, we're excited to do all the coolest marketing shit in the entire world, dude. You don't raise all this money and sink a hundred million dollars into R and D to not do that. Mm -hmm. Right. And like to even say that out loud just blows my mind. It's like, I'm sitting here in my childhood bedroom in Kansas <laughs> city and I'm just like spending a hundred million dollars on R and D. But like, that's the truth though, man. Like, and all that stuff comes afterwards, but like the bigger problem was, was what we, what we solved. Right. And what we're continuing to work on solving. And honestly, our livelihood and our, 
our uh, ability to impact that is all driven by that. What's the big problem to solve? How, what's the biggest pain in your ass as a retailer um, or a brand that you're dealing with today? And how can we help you work backwards from that and solve it? That's always going to be the answer, you know? So like, while I like to say like we dictate our roadmap, it's really the need of our customer base, man. And, and those decisions we make. And that's, and that's poetry too. Like, honestly, I do, you know, it makes so much sense. I've never even put much thought into your guys' interest in the POS space, but that working with clients in this space, the integration is, is the hugest pain point. And any, whether you're in real estate working with Zillow or cannabis working with whatever platforms you're working with, right. You have to wear that person at that, that client, that, that company has to wear a hundred different hats. Right. And so, like you said it earlier, like everything should be to make it easier and simplified for them. Like that's, that's your guys's role as, as a product, as a company. And there's so much stuff to do. And, and it's really poetry that you guys looked at that instead of like, what's next. It's like, let's take a step back, address this, the, the biggest pain point issue that then unlocks making everything, you know, from there. Now we're just, you know, to our conversation years ago, building from the foundation. Yeah, it, it's exactly right, man. It's like, don't get me wrong. Like we have some unbelievable innovators from companies that have grown really fast. Cannabis companies, non-cannabis companies, right? The DoorDash, you know, PayPal, Twitch, all these companies that have grown insanely quick over like a, a short period of time. And there's like, what we think is going to be next and what our customers would like to be next. And then we got to find a way to make those two meet mm. in the middle so we can solve that. Right. Cause like, ultimately like we know a lot of really cool things that we could be doing that we can't wait to, it's just a matter of priority. And it's like, okay. Cause if we don't fix everything along the way there and like make sure that the boat is airtight and like completely waterproof on the way there, then all of those cool things uh, are not as effective as they would have been. And you end up having to go back and fix them anyways. Yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, back, you know, to take it into the retail front, um, obviously you look at a lot of data. I know data is not your, your, your necessarily your lane, but I also know you are very well versed in this industry, you know, personally, and obviously working at Dutchie, you, you, you're a trove of information. What do you think are some of the main drivers behind individual products or brands selling? Do you think that it's simply price? Is it quality, word of mouth, bud tender? You think it's online recommendations, brand power? What are some of the components you think that that have impact on these consumer purchases? Um, man, it's a lot of things. I think at the in-store level, the bud tender has such a big impact on that. And I think like, because ultimately, depending on where you're at, if you're an adult use market, I would say close to half of the customers, um, and I'm not going to give you the exact percentage, but close to half of the customers that come in every day are first time shoppers in the cannabis, like, or maybe the first time they've been to that dispensary. Right. And depending on like the volumes and like, you know, they're understanding cannabis for the first time. And like, what do you recommend is a huge thing. Now, when you think about on the digital front content and descriptions and like say, which is something that we've recently um, been working tirelessly because there's definitely some companies out there that feel like they have solved it but there's still a ton of holes in it and we're like we don't roll anything out half ass here so like whereas there might have been groups that like had like content solutions out like a couple years ago um you know we're pretty definitive in, in how we, we go to market with that like if you're like a connoisseur that like we were talking about earlier and you got like that nug run beautiful sauce that's got this sheen to it and you're like damn that looks unbelievable if that's like not represented online the way that it should. Um, it doesn't have like the terpene profiles in there or whatever else. Like that doesn't do, you're not buying that online for $80 a gram. Mm. You're like, I, I, cause I don't know. Right. I haven't looked at it. I haven't smelled it. I don't have an idea. So like, that's a, a, a tremendous challenge there for sure. Um, but like that being said, like, you know, 
I personally had the experience of in Nevada, you know, getting a cannabis company off the ground prior to my Dutchie days, like I was saying, we built that entire brand on t-shirts and hats, mm. right? I still have people that will call out, you know, Kif Premium Cannabis, which is the company that we'd started. And they're like, rock. I, I saw like, a, I, I got a picture someone sent me, because I don't live in Vegas anymore, obviously, of a Kif shirt still rolling around at a dispensary. <laughs> this is like two and a half, three years ago. Everyone knows that like the cannabis industry runs on swag. And so like quality time and making sure that people understand your products and let's be serious samples right mm -hmm. at the end of the day like how is a bud tender supposed to recommend your product if they haven't tried it and they haven't been able they can't give that direct feedback and everybody knows that's the way the game works so it's like from like a, the, the digital question and like the in-person question are a little bit different mm -hmm. but the the end the end like point is all the same in that like you have to really work to build relationships with the consumer because like in cannabis, there's an opportunity to generate a loyalty to a brand unlike any other space, right. right? Like if you get down with 710 Labs in California, you're not dabbing anything else, right? Because mm -hmm. you know they make the best concentrates from some of the best flour, right? But, you know, you go to like Missouri, right? And because 710 is not there yet, that's not a thing. You know what I mean? And so like being able to like, you know, really capture those consumers as this market continues to like stair step up is super super important and like there's new avenues to do that every single like it, it seems like every single week right lead gen ad tech getting in people's face cannabis is like see ball hit ball mm -hmm. right like you have to like know okay i'm being marketed this damn that sounds awesome i'm gonna go pick that up right and like as that continues to open up it becomes way more way more way more important yeah absolutely and it's funny even echoing you know from the brand and the loyalty you know even taking that to the black market because i think I think the black market has been a good indicator for certain things, right? Like the black market has, has showed an indication that there's a demand for California cannabis. Every, even states where there's legal cannabis, there's still a demand for black market cannabis from California. Totally. You know, the black market data has shown us that. But I even think back to some of my personal data collection days that when you had a guy back in the day or girl, and that was your person that proved consistency on just every, the whole experience, right? From quality to whatever. Once you had built a good, consistent experience, you could have a fuck up here or there, but they've trusted overall totally. you've been good to me. The first time, you can't fuck up the first, you fuck up the first time, you're fucked for life. You know, you can't fuck up the first time. But then also people will have that loyalty of being like, hey, you got any? I'm out of town or I'm out. Let me know when you're back. Maybe I'll go buy a little bit to hold me over, but I'm not going to spend my amount because you're my guy. And, and we see that now like you mentioned certain brand people will i only smoke 710 care come whatever insert brand here people will say i only smoke this oh you don't have it i'll buy just a gram or a pre-roll to get me over until that those eighths or quarters are back in stock right and that like that loyalty i feel like is not super consistent across right. like other everyone wants to tie cpg to cannabis and like i think there's definitely some correlation there but like not quite as much as people like pointed out to be today right because like some of the limitations that exist in cannabis don't exist in traditional cpg right and like in shipping for example right so it's like that loyalty me sitting here in kansas city you know, like if I lived here and I could get like 710 labs sent to me, you're damn right. I'd be getting that sent to me and I'd wait an extra week and be more conservative with my dabs to have the product that I want. Right. So like, it's a matter of like staying consistent in the offering and then realizing that like so many companies are like prioritizing packaging mm. and like the, the marketing campaigns and not putting enough time into quality products when there is like 
I mean, when you, when you smoke as much weed as we have, right, you know there's a difference between good weed and bad weed, bro. I can't even describe to you how bad the weed was in Kansas growing up. <laughs> you know what I mean? But, like, you definitely know that difference. And I saw someone uh, mention something uh, about Terps. Megan, appreciate the love. Um, the Terps versus THC argument, man. It's like the fact that we're still having to, like, convince people mm. of that is crazy. But that's like the 800-pound, you know, mammoth in the room right right it's like are you gonna sit there and like change people's mind on that they're gonna come in and pick out the cheapest thing with highest thc right that's not necessarily a consumer problem that's a problem of us getting them the information Mm -hmm. so finding easier ways to do that and like educating is the most important starts with the bud tender moves to the online shelf and all that stuff is tied in together like super super intricately yeah i i'm i'm a big like nerd on positioning and i've said this for years obviously i'm not doing it and i'm not putting my money up but i've always been curious i've always or i've always wanted a store or a brand to really just own like thc percentage like even on their packaging thc percentage doesn't matter i don't know somewhere on there and just owning that cuz i think as a consumer you know i know cultivators personally that'll be working on a cut and i'll get it and I'll be like, oh, man, this is awesome. When's it dropping? And they're like, bro, I can't get it over like 19%. I'm not going to put it out. You know, and I'm like, dude. And they're like, buyers won't buy it. And cons- even if they did, consumers wouldn't buy it. And so I just I think that there's potentially again, I don't know, but I think that there's a market out there for someone to completely own that and just blatantly be like, fuck THC percentages like to their right. core, you know? I wish, man. I think, dude, as much as I'm on that program and I listen, man, if you find an avenue to make that happen, I'm with it, dude. It's regulation will never let that happen. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like they'll ne- they'll never let us like not put the THC label on a COA or like on packaging. And like maybe, dude, there's all kind of people, people stare at the rules all the time. Maybe like a little like, you know, THC in a very small back corner that's super <laughs> small that it's absolutely on there. And so you can't like you know, and, and then, it, but you would have to have some serious loud, but I can tell you, like, for me, like, I never look at THC right. as an indicator. I'm right to the terps. And fortunately, it's it's cool because we've started to see the transition of, like, obviously testing for terpenes is more expensive in the lab. And we've seen brands start to, like, move toward that and start doing that, which is great because they know that it's important for those that it's important to. And those for it's not, that it's not, like, they're usually pretty open to learning and, and understanding why it's important. You know what I mean? So it's like, it's a shifting of talking about like breaking the stigma and like changing people's minds on stuff, man. Like um, all the information is there. It's just a matter of how do we get that to folks in a meaningful way that like helps educate. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's, you know, there's a lot of difficulties, like you mentioned earlier, just, you know, you touched on the marketing, you know, there's a lot of limitations around working with a federally illegal substance. Um, You know, a lot of these platforms are, uh, you know, counterintuitive and working with the cannabis industry. So it limits the marketing. And, and so I know there's some challenges, but I, I think ultimately you hit it the nail on the head that a lot of people haven't found a way to communicate this right. A lot of people have good examples and have put in effort. Information's there. The education's there. There's plenty of examples there, but it's just not landing with consumers yet. I, I don't know. Maybe it's just a focus of time. Maybe it's going to take a little bit more time or some super, super mainstream media that comes out with a special report or the THC percentage conversation happens in a fucking primetime television series. I I don't know what it's going to take, man. Maybe, man. And you know, here's, here's the cool thing, right? Like, um, you know, being where we are at today in this moment in time in the industry, right? Like there's more of an opportunity for us to kind of educate that uh, more than ever. And like really more or less, like 
the product companies as well, not as much as the consumer, because like our job and, and meaning like Dutchie in this role is like making sure that if people are taking the time to do that, that we can make that as seamless mm -hmm. as possible to communicate. Right. Cause like it does, there are like no shortage of time suck moments in a dispensary retail operation every single day. And so like keying stuff in, you're doing all this, right. The more we can automate stuff like that, it leaves more time for the education of things, which is really the fun part. That's almost why everybody is here in the first place, right? It's to like, hey, I believe so much in this that I want to spread that love to everybody in the world and have them understand why it's great mm -hmm. or at least have an open mind to it. Look, like I'll be the first one to tell you, like if cannabis isn't for you, it's not for you, right? I'm not going to sit there and be like, you should smoke if you're not into it. Like, that's not me. You know what I mean? Not to, you know, whatever. I'll, I'll leave that on the back burner, but like, that's that's something that like the unifying factor, almost like professional sports, right? Or like music, right? Everyone here loves music. Everyone here loves sports. Everyone here loves cannabis more than anything. And like that common denominator is like the uni like the universal thing across all people that work in the industry, right? And like when you think about that, of course you want to share that love. Right. That's why you go work in a retail. That's why you go work for a brand because you want to bring this to the world, mm -hmm. right? But you've also got all the other shit that you have to handle in the day to make that happen. And sometimes those things fall by the wayside if you can't if you can't make it easy. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And that's, you know, and that's a unique thing, even about the community of cannabis at large, like taking a step further that, right? Like cannabis is is a share, you know, shared joint, getting a circle, passing around, you know. I mean. I consume by myself because I find myself by my myself a lot, but pre, you know, coming up and, and cutting my teeth and learning about cannabis and, and my experiences, it was a communal thing. You know, it's, totally. it's very much just at the backbone of the culture of, of this industry. Yeah, dude, it's everything. And you know, like I, I'm, I'm super stoked that like, that's like only going to continue in a better way. You know, I, I say this to a lot of people, but you know, as a, uh, as someone that's been to a lot of shows, we saw each other Hall of Flowers, right? Dope-ass show. Shout out to the Cured Originals for throwing the dopest party that anyone's ever seen. Um, you know, like, there's, like, uh, the, since the beginning of time in the weed game, it's been, like, my weed's better than their weed. Mm -hmm. Their weed sucks. My weed's great. That's been, like, that's the, that's the crux of weed communication, right? And, you know, we got everyone who's just been in lockdown for the last two years. This pandemic has been, like, so difficult on so many people, right? And, like, uh, everyone's I think had like a, a different sense of like empathy that's been instilled for like the rest of the world over these last like you know two years and you get out to like Hall of Flowers which is in my mind one of the best B2B mm -hmm. shows you'll Absolutely. ever see right I mean it's unbelievable they do an unbelievable job like there was way more community out there not as much like shit talking to other people's products it was like we're all out here man we're just here this is California cannabis this isn't like you know uh, my weed's better than their weed. Their weed sucks. But I mean, there's always going to be a little yeah. bit of that, right? That's, that's kind of part of the game. But like, I saw way more community around that. And that shit is like refreshing. I was like, hell yeah. It's about time that people kind of jump in and realize that like, everyone sees these big companies that are releasing press releases saying that we're coming to the cannabis mm -hmm. space. Like, it is literally all of us in a foxhole together. Even Dutchie, who is like, you know, a large company, right? We still run like a small company. We still consider ourselves a small company and we're always on the side of small companies, right? So like that in itself is a cool thing to see like that evolve as like a, a byproduct of people kind of figure, figuring out what's important. You know what I mean? Absolutely. And and that and that's a great point. You know, the, the competitive, the shit talking is something that exists and it's existed more prevalent. Yeah. I don't know if it's attributed more to the world opening back up and there's just more general excitement. But I think it's also a part of the industry because as those, like we were saying, 
you know, your average consumer is going to have their brand they stick to. They might try other products. They stick to that. But those of us that are more mature, while we might have our brand or brands, some of us like yourself and myself that travel might have different brands per different area code we're in. But we're still, you know, myself, I go to a dispensary. I usually know I can usually identify a product or a brand I've had in the past where I'm like, yeah, I want that. But I also I want to try something new. You know, let me buy what I know and take a chance on something else. And I think as I think more cannabis operators are starting to understand, like, hey, I can be a fire fifty five dollar eighth and I can be friends with the next brand that offers a fifty five dollar eighth next to me because consumers are probably, you know, some consumers that buy that level of quality are going to buy both. And it's not like they're going to choose. I like this one over this one. Man, I like the gelato from them. Their gelato's good. It's not as good as theirs, but their, you know, Cushmints is the one, right? Like you have your different selections from everyone. And and the more people kind of bask in and understand that, especially the hollow flowers where everyone's pulling out their new new fucking genetics. You know, it's I, I'm I'm not sure, you know, I don't find one genetic I like and I'm like, that's all I'm smoking. I'm trying to find it all, man. <laughs> Dude, that's what I'm saying, man. And it's like, you know, most people don't realize that like uh, a cut of um a cut of gelato, right, is, is grown differently right. between cultivars, right? It's like it's not all going to be the same from the same folks. And so, like, as people like that, that's my favorite thing, dude, is like the connoisseur sport of it, right? It's like I truly appreciate getting to enjoy unbelievable cannabis products from like uh, like all the best cannabis companies in the world. Like, we don't have to be bougie about it, dude. We're Switzerland. Like, we work right. with like the best cannabis companies in the world. So, like, I can take an unbiased lens to all of it and like, so many things are great in, in so many ways. And like the, the idea is like making sure that you put the time to keep those quality products cranking. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so, you know, on, on the, t- on the topic of brands, what, what are some ways that you envision like brands to, to be able to leverage the internet to increase sales through, through e-com? Like what are some ways that they can own that channel to, to get more brand awareness or push more sell through? Um, you know, honestly, a lot of it is like effective, like, uh, follow up marketing campaigns, right. Being able to like use, utilize text messaging, uh, campaigns in the way that you can. Um, I also think loyalty is, is a huge piece to that as well. Um, if you're a brand though, right. Um, making sure that, you know, whatever presence you have and whatever retail exists beyond just what's on the shelf, right. Whether that's like getting, you know, bud tenders, uh, you know, shirts, hats. And again, like I'm, I'm not the expert. I'm by no means a digital marketing expert in the slides. In fact, I would say I know little to next to nothing on the digital marketing front. Um, but in terms of like, you know, as a cannabis consumer, what keeps me coming back, quality products, uh, opportunities to like engage with the brand and do cool things, understand what's coming next. And like swag, dude, it's, it's such a simple thing. People overcomplicate it. They're trying to do like these crazy algorithmic marketing things that don't even work all the time because there's so many limitations on canvas marketing when really you just got to show up and be present, have a brand ambassador. That's a super stoked person. That's like there to be able to communicate the value of the product doing pop-ups in dispensaries right now. Again, that's different with like the pandemic and stuff, but like, that's everything, mm-hmm. man. That's what the cannabis community and culture is about. That's what drives the loyalty in my mind as a consumer, right? Now there's obviously various technical things you can do to drive loyalty and, and be able to make intelligent decisions around that. But all of those come from improving upon the, the ground and pound or like grassroots marketing efforts that exist today. You know what I mean? Yeah. And then, um, you know, on, on the subject of cannabis being legalized, what are some of the areas you're seeing kind of the most growth and most excitement in across the U.S. today? Payments, everyone's really excited about, you know, safe banking um, will eventually pass. Right. I think that uh, as 
marketing uh, restrictions start to like lighten up a little bit, right? Um, there's going to be more of an opportunity to like truly market your business in the digital sense. Um, you know, direct to consumer is always one that we hear all the time. And like, as much as like, there's definitely brands that are starting to do it. And I think there's definitely going to be an opportunity to continue to do that as it grows. And that's like the next big thing, right? It's like, how do we go D to C also while still empowering the retailers, right? It's not just like delivery direct. Cause not every state has delivery, mm -hmm, right? Mm -hmm. You know, a lot of retailers get apprehensive about direct consumer, but ultimately there will never be a day in our life that someone buys legal cannabis from somewhere that doesn't have a cannabis license. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, they're going to be driving sales to that dispenser, whether it's for a pickup order or if they have their own non-storefront retail license in California. Right. But like D to C is going to be a big one. And then obviously just delivery in general, man, like it, it's, it's tough to operate a profitable delivery business. If you don't have your, your, uh, the experience and everything wired tight from like an operational lens. So like um, that's going to be, a huge, a huge piece to it as well. And so you envision like as we grow, because obviously D to C is something that's growing, you know, California's really been in, in my, my personal experience been on the forefront of that. You know, I'm in Washington, we don't mm -hmm. have delivery out here. So um, they haven't really had the ability to explore that. But for you guys, do you envision that like menu system for brands and like having it on their website, whether it's ordering direct to consumer or being able to go to a website and essentially place an order for you know, one of the finest instead of just seeing a dispensary map, do you see that kind of as a natural progression? Of course, man. It's a matter of when it makes sense to do it though. Right. And there's a lot of people trying to do it, but there's holes in it and it's gotta be, it's gotta be at the same level of consideration that we do everything else. Right. If we're just going to do it halfway and there's no point. And like when you're asking people to spend money with you and trust their brand reputation with you, you want to make sure that you have something that, that works. And so like, it's absolutely something we're exploring. Um, a matter of like, there's, there's some technical limitations in there mm -hmm. in terms of like tech stack and state integration and like how we position that. But like, um, there's, there's, it's absolutely going to be something that we want to focus on. It's a matter of when, because like, there's a few other things like getting Dutchy pay ACH out the door mm -hmm. is going to be a really big thing. Um, so we're really stoked on that. Um, that's going to impact a massive amount of our customers as well as future ones. Um, you know, continuing to like, uh, to, to refine and innovate on the technologies that we already have out there. That's also going to be a really big thing. And like, you know, really whether it's D to C or the menu for those brands, being able to improve the way that the brands communicate with the retailers and vice versa is something that's a huge focus of ours because we know that like the more that we can improve that communication between the two of them, um, the better that is for everybody, mm -hmm. right? It streamlines so many things like the brands and retailers will never exist independently, at least in this lifetime, in my mind, right? right. Could be wrong, but you know, those brands and retailers harmoniously have an opportunity to go further. If we can help improve and move some of those conversations that, Traditionally, we're not in the digital space uh, out that way as well. So, Absolutely. The consumers who ultimately wins is the process is more consistent and, and a consumer can say, I want to get something and then they can go ahead and get it on their time and their watch. The consumer wins and then anyone in that supply chain down to that consumer is ultimately going to win. What is what are totally. some what are some of the things that you that you I mean, you might not be able to say much, but what are some of the things you guys have on your plate for 2022? Um. Can't say a ton, but like all awesome things, right? I, I mentioned one of them, Dutchy Pay ACH. Uh, to be honest with you, I'm really excited that with growing and the fundraising that we've been doing, we can get behind. And this is actually, I'm, I'm going to backtrack. The thing that I'm most excited about is that we're going to be able to get behind some things that 
um, we're passionate about, like, you know, social equity, uh, social justice, decriminalization. Those are all really, really important things, as well as like improving like the normalization of cannabis as a byproduct of that. But like now that we've raised the money and, and we built out the company the way that we have, we've got you know, a legal team, a GR team, we've got all these folks that are out there like putting the work in alongside folks that are uh, putting work in Washington to make that happen. So like that in itself as like an evolution is something I'm so excited about yeah. because then we can start doing things like providing more resources to, uh, you know, folks that are trying to understand what it means to be a cannabis business and how can I be a cannabis operator as it becomes more, you know, prevalent. So like that in itself is like, focusing on those individual things is what I'm most excited about. Like we've spent the last three years building an unbelievable like stage to set for what's to come in the next couple. And I finally feel like, you know, the pieces are there, the people are there that we've, we've built enough of a reputation with our customer base to where like, I feel like our customers trust us. And so now like that they're, they're there to like benefit in this with us, right? Mm -hmm. The R and D stuff, like let's test and, and like, and, and like, you know, being able to dump all that into innovation, right? That that's just like the coolest thing in the world to me. Um, and that's, I won't say anything else because I can't be too specific. <laughs> I can, you know, I, I got some thoughts in my mind of, of some of the ways you guys are going to go, but uh, you know, I'll, I'll tell you offline, bro. Yeah, no problem. I, I won't, yeah, I won't yeah. ask any questions that might fall in alignment with that, but I, I, totally. I, I got some ideas. So, you know, I, and, I, and I don't want to ask too much because I want to lead into too much of that. But, but over these next, you know, I, the, the cliche question of where you see this industry going over the next five years, I'd assume that you guys anticipate a lot more focus on e-commerce and then just online. I won't even call it education, but just transfer of information. Correct. Yeah. And, you know, we we see it as a huge responsibility, like like so many people out there like selling data. That's never us, man. Like what we, we want to like purpose these things to like give you valuable insights to like, you know, like, you know, exhibits in town on a Tuesday, you're well more likely to sell a strawberry cough pre-roll in Seattle, right? Like those are the things that would be valuable to know as a retailer as you're setting up your specials for the day, mm -hmm. right? So like ultimately like that's like what we're super stoked about is like uh, repurposing. Like there's a lot of companies that are doing some really creative and cool things around that type of stuff with like uh, segmented marketing, et cetera. Um, and there's, there's a few that do them very well um, that we work closely with. There's also others that I think are, uh, they're missing the mark, right? If you blow by the exit by four exits in terms of understanding of what people get, then you're in a really tough spot, man. You know what I mean? Like, it's like, that's like it, it, the message is missed entirely. Mm -hmm. And so like making things digestible, right. Is the most important because we want to support, you know, every cannabis retailer in every way that we can. Right. And we hope that it's like with, you know, uh, with one of our pieces of technology, but maybe it's with a thought leadership piece, mm -hmm. right? Maybe it's with like a lot of other things. And so I think there's a lot of things there that um, we can all do to like push that forward. It's just a matter of like, you know, where it falls into the the ranking of like what people find are important on the on the retail front. I love that. And I love the, the, the emphasis on digestible because I, I have a data guy, not a cannabis data guy, just a data guy. It's a friend, friend and mentor of mine. And, and he's, able to pull all sorts of crazy data and i'll always be like hey could i get something like this and sometimes he'll just drop something on me and i'll be like call him up like bro can you just give me the bullet points and then once he's like you know okay you see this that and i'm like oh, okay now this huge mess of an excel sheet or graphs now i like i get i get it right like he could have just sent me the bullet points and i would have been good but once i get the bullet points and the data set it starts to make sense but the data set on its own if you don't know how to 
take action out of it, it's, it's, you know, it's a lot of shit. And if you're a cannabis operator, that's you, like we mentioned throughout this, you already have a lot of shit to do, man. The goal is to make right. it fucking easy. Totally dude. And like, you know, it's kind of one of those things where it's like all that information is there. Um, you know, like it's a matter of what do you do with it? Right. How do you create something actionable? Um, and like, at the end of the day, it's like, you know, so many people are out there sitting on, you know, things that they could be doing to improve the business, but they're not. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, how do you suggest that in a way that doesn't like offend people? Right. Um, because ultimately like, you know, I, I think about, Hey, there we go. Oh, shout out to my fiance. I was like, can you please come turn the light on quickly? Uh, um, so now we're live, baby. I'm here all night. Um, so it, it, it's more or less like making things actionable and like, are we just like some people like have these things there and they just don't do anything with it. Yeah. Know? And yeah. so it's like, yeah, that's something we see from a consulting standpoint of stepping into a lot of places that people have the tools, have the information and whether they're too busy or they don't have the experience to connect those dots. And it's, you know, sometimes as a consultant, it's difficult because they're like, oh, you didn't do much. And it's like, well, I mean, y'all weren't able to do it for two years with what you had. But just being able to easily connect these dots, look at the financial impact we were able to have. Well, and so much of it is the time. Right? Like, What fires were you putting out in that time right. that you wish you could have done that? Like, that's the thing I'm most excited about in terms of like how we've grown and scale is like there's so many things that I wish that we've been able to focus on as like a sales team, let's say that. We haven't been able to. And now that we have like unbelievable people that we've layered in that can focus on these particular things that make our business so much better. It's everything. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? It literally means everything. And so what what is the ideal like client partnership look like for Dutchie? What do you do you guys like quantify that or is it just anybody that's selling cannabis out there? Or do you guys have a criteria you like to put people in as like the ideal fit? I mean, um, right now we're working predominantly with cannabis retailers. We've got relationships with the brands in support of that. And obviously we're launching um, some brand related solutions like now that are really exciting um, that I also won't lead into too much. But, um, you know, in terms of like ideal customer profile, man, like cannabis retailers, I guess we want people to pay their bills. If I like it, all people pay their bills. <laughs> Chasing checks and cannabis isn't fun for anybody. Oh, but, uh, but uh, you know, like, we want to support all cannabis, obviously licensed retailers, right? We don't make our retailers on our platform compete with ones that aren't paying taxes, mm -hmm. right? And that's not even to knock on folks that may have done that in the past. It's been pretty public because, you know, you start your company 15, 20 years ago. That's all there was mm -hmm. back then, dude. How else are you going to build a business around that? And so, like, you know, I, for us, it's, it's cannabis retailers and then eventually cannabis brands. But ultimately... We want to work with all of them, man. We're working with uh, a lot right now. I mean, north north of 5,000 in the U.S. and Canada. And so, obviously, continuing to expand into international markets is something we're really excited about, uh, predicated on how that works. Um, but, yeah, I mean, cannabis retailers, easiest way to say it. What's what's the usual lead time? I know it probably changes depending on how, how wide of a network or integrations or how many stores someone has. But what's usually, usually the lead time from getting that call in, hey, we're trying to get onboarded with you guys to, to get everything fully uh, operational. I mean, you know, it's funny. A lot of that's really reliant on the retailer mm -hmm. um, because we have a team of people that is on top of it. They will follow up to get those piece of information. You say go, you sign the contract. We're going to make sure that we do everything we can, even if it's in spite of, you know, the retailer themselves to make them successful, right? Because it's like everybody wants everything quickly. And then all of a sudden when it's time to like have open <laughs> fluid communication, we won't hear from someone for like a month. And then they're like, it's like 6 p.m. on a Friday. Like, hey, we want to go live now. And we're like, 
oh, no one's in the office besides our support team. And, uh, you know, so like anywhere from like in a best case scenario, if it was full stack two weeks, um, you know, up through we've seen like depending on more complex and like phased rollouts of larger retailers up to like a month, two months that have like staggered the stage. But like, you know, we have an unbelievable team that's like highly proficient in these things. And we have like very, very, very specific SOPs as like what's going to make a retailer successful in terms of like what that looks like in the implementation process. So um, kind of varies, but, you know, we're, we've hired in the last, in the last like month and a half, we've hired like over like 200 folks on the CS and support mm. side. Mm. And what, what states are you guys seeing the most, most growth in right now? Um, growth in terms of rooftops, new licenses. Yeah, probably, you're probably, like, you probably bring new people into the Dutch ecosystem. How many people are signing, you know, signing up with you guys? I mean, we're, we're, we're working with a lot of dispensaries and that number is picking up pretty aggressively every single day. Um, so that's really exciting. I would say like in terms of like newer markets, like emerging markets, that's always a big one because those are new licenses that didn't exist a year ago. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, and then also like, you know, more legacy markets, we're, we're picking up a ton of speed in California and a lot of that had to do with us making some adjustments to our technology to be more form fit for the California market. Cause I'll tell people all the time, like, you know, uh, there's like a micro economy within cannabis in California. Right. And then there's everything else. Mm -hmm. Right. And so like, um, as a company that in e-commerce, we were starting to get really strong there. Um, acquiring a point of sale company, we almost wanted to slow down and then two point of sale companies slow down to then speed back up and make sure we fit, fit the need. And so like, we've got a lot of, uh, got a lot of traction pretty much every market man canada everywhere it's it's really like uh when when our biggest struggle and, and i say this in the most humble way possible our biggest struggle is getting people to give us an opportunity to prove it to them mm. right because almost every company that we work with has been promised the same thing by another company probably a couple times and been let down mm. right so like ultimately it's like structuring it in a way that uh just give us a shot to prove why you want to work with us. And our customer retention rate is like astronomically high mm. for that reason. You know, mm. I mean, man, that, that, that's great to hear. I mean, and that's just a trip attribution to what you guys are doing to, to really put that customer first is, and that's the vibe I've gotten from you and the company the entire time I've been aware of you guys. What are on, on a personal level, what are some of your favorite markets? I know you mentioned going back home, but favorite markets to go to, um, you know, on behalf of whether it's traveling for business or events, food, cannabis, what, what are some of your favorite markets to personally visit? Man, those are all different answers, but, uh, <laughs> you know, I love the California weed scene, man. I think they're just doing it unbelievable out there. Um, you know, food scene, <sighs> Vegas is always great. Also doing unbelievable things in the cannabis scene as well, too. Um, you know, music, dude, get me, get me like in the Northwest, get me on the East coast. Um, you know, I, I, I don't want to like alienate the Midwest, right? Cause like Tech and Nina, baby, Kansas city's finest, you know, like we've all been, we've been repping hard for a while out here, but like, you know, the, the Midwest has always kind of been like that, like uh catch up culture to everything mm -hmm. else happening on the coast. And that's actually a really good thing in a lot of ways. And so now like to go into dispensaries, like Alyssa Gardens, like uh, from the earth, like the, the Kansas City Cannabis Companies in the world of Missouri and see like true cannabis culture happen there, dude, is the most unbelievable thing in the world with like a little bit of like a Midwest feel to it. So like, I love all of it, man. I'm just a citizen of the world. It sounds crazy to say, and that's like cheesy as fuck, but I'm like, I truly appreciate spending time in all of those places mm -hmm. for all of those reasons. And fortunately I've got 
fiance that will turn the light on when the room's getting dark for me and also go explore all those places too. So it's like, you know, when you got that kind of thing and then Dutchie being as global as it's become, um, you know, the weed game's taking us everywhere, man. Yeah. And and, I, and it's crazy to think that like 15 years ago when I'm sitting there driving around trying to avoid getting pulled over in my, my boy's car listening to, you know, Bone Thugs, like it's a totally different story now where it's like we're out in the open with this and we're just mm -hmm. living the dream, man. And now you're smoking weed next to Bone Thugs at a, at a party somewhere. Smoking weed next to Mitch, you're smoking weed next to Bone Thugs, man. <laughs> I ain't that tight, but no, I appreciate that, man. Totally. Yeah, man. No, it's awesome. I, you know, I really appreciate you having have, having you on here today and chatting, especially on, in the evening time out there in the Midwest, man. For anyone out there looking for more information, Dutchy.com, anything else you want to plug before we get up out of here? No, man. I mean, honestly, we're just in sincere, humble appreciation of everything that's happened over the last couple of years, especially with you guys, man. You've always provided such an objective look on so many things, man. And fortunately, we were good enough to like fall on the right side of that fence. So I'm with it. Um, but like, you know, we're just we're just here for it, man. We're here to support the industry. And I, I appreciate we appreciate being a part of it. Um, and then those looking to join the team as well on the cannabis technology side, Dutchy.com slash careers. Um, we're always, 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 always hiring. We will have we will continue to hire, 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 hire and, and, and the right types of people, too, in terms of like those that are like we got a no asshole policy, man. And we hold to that pretty hard. So. Don't, if you're not a dick, go ahead and go apply. <laughs> Straight up. That's what I'm saying, man. Just get sniffed out. You know what I mean? But, uh, yeah. but yeah, man, I appreciate you having us on, dude. And uh, you, you and your family have a happy holidays, man. Awesome, man. Likewise. And for everyone out there watching episode 76, North American Weed Tour, looking at cannabis, legal cannabis across the country and beyond. This is episode 76, like I said, with John Bond, Director of partnership, Partnerships at Dutchie, man. Thank you for joining us.